afternoon and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to live from your true self through all of life's twists and turns. And you'll be challenged to lean into the mysteries of life to find your own deepest wisdom. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. I have a question for you. How do we even begin to trust a life in which there's so much worldwide suffering? People say, trust the process. But what does that mean? And how do we trust it? We've all entered this wild, wild ride of life filled with all manner of amazing blessings and difficult challenges. But why are we here? I mean, what's the point? Given the suffering of the world, some would say that no one should ever leave home. Yet we do. We not only leave our homes, but we risk falling in love. We risk getting into committed relationships, and we risk having children. We work jobs toward certain goals that we may or may not ever attain. In fact, we challenge life as much as life challenges us. How do we do that? What is it in us that's willing to take all those risks? Whatever it is, it's a powerful force, and it allows us to receive the wisdom, the wild, wild wisdom of life. Today, we're going to get in touch with that wild wisdom which increases everyone's vibrational energy. So stay here. So, okay, let's talk about this thing called trusting the process that gets us to this wild, wild wisdom of life. What do we mean by trusting the process? Well, we first have to understand the word trust. The word trust means to rely upon, to choose that over the other options, to, to choose to run back to the process rather than to choose to run back to the old ways of doing things. Well, then what is the process? Well, the process is something deep inside of us, something that is uh, at our basement. It lives inside of us, underneath the heartbeats, underneath the rhythms of life, underneath each breath. It's, it's uh, it, it, the foundation of our beingness. It's the force behind our breath. It's the soul energy present in each moment, accomplishing its task even as we make a mess of things. So that's the process. And the process is both spiritual and psychological. Because from a psychological perspective, the process is one in which we can know that the psyche is always leaning toward wholeness. The psyche is always trying to bring us to wholeness. The psyche wants wholeness, and it will do whatever it has to do to help us to get wholeness. And whatever zag we take, whatever zig we take, that, that, that it can be used by the psyche to bring us to wholeness. And that same thing is true in the spiritual realm. Whatever zigs and zags we make along our path, whether we consider them to be good or bad, they also can be used to bring us to our full, full spiritual selves. So the concepts are very, very similar. In fact, I would say they are sim- uh, it's so similar that they are exactly the same. Um, and so what we're talking about in terms of, of, of the process is we're talking about a process that lead, lead, brings us from survival to living. So what we do early in life, and we've talked about this several other times on the show, is we put on an identity. We wear a mask and costume that helps us survive our families of origin and our social milieu, and we 
And we do that so that we can sort of push aside the authentic self, put it back in the, uh, in the unconscious to wait back there until we're older, until we can get out of this mess and go on to find our authentic self. Of course, by the time we get old enough to do that, we have forgotten all about the authentic self and we think that the identity, the mask and costume we put on is who we actually are. Nevertheless, even that can be used for our psychological well-being because the masks and costumes that we put on really do help us survive. They really do help us get by in some very unique way that fits our particular life drama. For me, it was Superwoman. I put on Superwoman because that was how I was going to be super strong and never be afraid of anything ever again, even though I experienced some pretty traumatic things in my childhood that meant that I have to put on Superwoman in order to feel no, no fear. So, but that superwoman got me through a lot of things, uh, got me through a lot of things. And I look back today on superwoman and I thank her. I, 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 uh, am blessed by her and, and I'm very grateful that I had her in my life because she helped me get to the place where I could actually wake up and begin to live an authentic life. So, uh, when we talk about, uh, trusting the process, what we're doing is saying that there actually is a process. And so in order to trust that process, we have to believe that there actually is one. And of course, I can't make you believe that there actually is one, but I can talk about it as if it's real because it is real. And so I want to I want to talk about that some more. It, that process is something deep inside of us that is longing for truth. It's longing to connect to other people, to the oneness we are as spiritual beings, to the to the uh, to the relationships that we long to have, it it is enabling us to to see find out through the hard knocks of life what is not working in relationship, what doesn't work, what you know, what are we doing that's not working, and what are, how who are we attracted to that's also not working, so that we we might get attracted to old old uh, agendas, so that. What I, the way I say it is that we get attracted to all the old unresolved issues in our psyches. We do that so that we can resolve them. That is the psyche leaning toward wholeness. The point of us getting attracted to unresolved issues is in order to resolve them. It's not to stay stuck in them. It's not to keep repeating them, although we do repeat them. It is to get past them. It is to resolve them. And so the psyche brings us back to the point of origin so that we can go, oh, that's the point of origin, I see now. That's what I was involved in. And very often what I find to be true is that uh, we get attracted to people who remind us of uh, unresolved issues that our parents brought to the forefront because of their own unresolved issues. And they, uh, they brought this up within us, and, and we were unable to resolve it as children because we were unable to see this primary point. It wasn't us. The problem with our parents was our parents, not us. We were not born into a situation with abusive, alcoholic, unloving, unkind, neglectful parents because we, because we did something wrong. We were born into that because that was just what we were born into. And we happened to get parents who did not know how to be parents. They didn't have the maturity to be able to do that. And so 
when we uh, when we get to the place of resolution, when we get attracted to that same stuff over and over and over again, long enough for us to go, oh, I got to get out of the same stuff. And we begin to look at the same stuff and observe our responses to it. What we may see is an old uh, mantra that we have in our heads that says, I'm doing something wrong and I've got to get it right. And if I get it right, then these people will finally turn and love me like I need to be loved. And that's a false premise because we won't do anything wrong in the first place. You can't get love from somebody who doesn't know how to love. That's something you can write down and keep forever. You can't get love from somebody who doesn't know how to love. You can only get it from somebody who knows how to love. And many of our parents don't know how to love. They don't know what love is. They don't certainly don't know what unconditional love is. They think that love might be control. They think that love might be abuse. They think that love might be discipline. They think that love might be, um, you know, some form of harassment. But they don't know what love really is. And because they don't, they haven't experienced it and they don't give it to us. And that's a sad story. But it's the truth very often of many of our childhoods as we, as we come into adults. And uh, if you happen to have had parents who are loving and who were, did know how to love unconditionally and were, uh, did know how to discipline appropriately and did know how to, to raise a child in a way that the child grows up to be an authentic person, well, then, then you have some capacities to offer that same thing to other people. And uh, we develop those same capacities by walking through those old issues again and resolving them the second, third, or fourth time around. And, uh, and so we get attracted to those issues so that we can resolve them. So we've, we, what, what's happening is it's a wild ride. It, it's, you know, we, we get attracted to somebody who hurts us, or we get, have, get attracted to somebody who moves us to the other side of the globe, or we get attracted to somebody who, who uh, doesn't know how to love, or we get, you know, we, this is a zag in our zig. We're trying to zig, but we zag. And we're trying to be in love with somebody who knows how to love, but we find ourselves in love with somebody again who doesn't know how to do that. And so that's the process. Unfortunately, the process isn't always without any zigs and zags. The process is, however, one that is intended as its basic energy to carry us to a place of wholeness. Not only psychological wholeness, but spiritual wholeness as well. So some would say that uh, this, is, this is what happens in each incarnation. Other people don't believe in it, uh, reincarnation, so they don't believe that it happens over many lifetimes. They happen to believe it, all, it can only happen in one lifetime or it doesn't happen at all. I happen to be someone who believes that it can happen over many lifetimes, but that's just me. You have to decide what you believe. So when, when, if it happens over many lifetimes, it looks like you resolve one issue in one lifetime and then you carry that information on with you to the next lifetime and from there you can resolve another issue and, and then you carry that issue on with you on to the next lifetime and you can, from there you can resolve another issue. And so you're eventually getting to the place where you're a whole person and the people in Eastern religion would say you've gotten off the wheel of samsara. You're no longer you're no longer a part of that world where uh, Maya rules. So Maya is the material world where we live in the flesh only, and we don't really understand a spiritual um, way of being. 
So there's also some other part of this process that's very, very interesting, that something in us wants to move forward, that no matter what we came into as children, no matter how difficult, we move forward. We move forward in some really amazing ways that show energy, that even if they're zigging and zagging all over the place, it shows energy. It shows some kind of life force in there that still wants to find life. Uh, and that, the fact that we're willing to do that, regardless of our circumstances, is a pretty profound thing. That's that, that's that way in which we challenge life as much as life challenges us. We're, we're pushing forward in life and saying, I'm going to have what I want. Or I'm going to have the life I want. Regardless of our circumstances, we keep going. We still not only have hope, but we have the energy to put some energy behind that hope. We have some, the, the energy to, to move forward, to try new things, to risk new challenges, to take a chance to love somebody, to take a chance to have some children, to take a chance on a job we didn't think we'd get, not even sure we know how to do, and we learn how to do it anyway. We take those chances. Why? Because there's something inside of us, something profound inside of us that says, live, 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 live. Don't just sit there. Get up and live. And that thing is, is a part of the wisdom of life. The wisdom of life is gained by experience. The only way to get wisdom is through experience. And the only way to have experiences is to jump into life and to, to have some experiences. So we don't just stay hibernating in our homes and hide from the world, even though the world is pretty scary sometimes. We don't just do that, although we could. We, we, instead, what we do is we, we, we try ever harder to, to uh, keep going, to keep going, to keep growing even. Many of us are trying very hard to grow, to be, become more aware, to become more awake. Um, there's a there's a thing in our culture right now that everybody's trying to be woke, except the people who are not trying to be woke. And there's this war between the people that are trying to be woke and the people that are say that are, that that they say are not trying to be woke. So uh, I don't know who those people are. I don't. I think everybody is uh, on a path to wake up. Ultimately, that's the path everybody's taking, regardless of how many ways they seem to be digging their paths through the dirt. Uh, it, it does seem that it, it is true, I believe, that they're still on a path to find something. Maybe, I want you to consider this now, maybe it's true that even when somebody takes a really dark path, maybe they have to take that dark path for two reasons. One, somebody has to explore the darkness, and and they're doing it for all of us. And two, they, maybe they have to understand darkness in order to understand light. Maybe they have to go that far into the tunnel to be able to understand things, the wisdom of darkness, on a whole other level. I talked to somebody one time who told me that wearing black all day meant that you, ha- you had darkness inside of you. And I said, well, I think the darkness means mystery. I think the darkness is a way of saying there's something out there that I don't necessarily understand but it's something I, I, I trust, nonetheless. It's a mystery, and I, and I can lean into it because I trust that process. Um, so there's different ways of looking at darkness, and maybe there are some people on this earth who have to go there 
in order to help the rest of us understand it in a way that we can't understand it unless somebody does it. Somebody has to do the work. Perhaps at some point in our life, in our various incarnations, we all go to the dark place in some way. I don't know. But I do know that there is a process happening, and it's a very amazing process. And it's a wild process, and it's a wild ride, and it brings us to a wild wisdom. And what that wild wisdom is, is the reason it's wild wisdom instead of just wisdom. We think of wisdom as very sedate, very calm, very, you know, quiet, and not saying much at all. Sort of a, a mute observation of life. But actually, wisdom has a wild side. It's wild in the sense that the tiger knows by instinct where it's going to go to get its food that day. It knows by instinct where to go and hide from the hunters. It knows by instinct where the water is. This is this is how uh, this is the wildness of our journey. That we are following a path that we don't even understand sometimes. That it has its own mystery, and yet it's leading us somewhere very important. Somewhere perhaps where we are nourished. Somewhere perhaps where we're where we can survive. Somewhere perhaps where we get to even live beyond survival. So, so we have these life experiences, and what do we do with them? That's the big question. What are we doing with our life experiences? And that's how we become conscious of the wild, wild wisdom of life. It's true that there are many people on this earth who never question their lives at all. They just keep on, keeping on, drumming through the life, stepping one step after another, getting by, getting by, getting by, and they're not really thinking about reflecting much on what this means and why we're here, what we're doing here. They're not really doing that. But that's okay because that too is their journey. There's an old saying that uh, in, in the Buddhist um, uh, philosophy that says, chop wood, carry water. And there's a, there's a way in which chopping wood and just chopping wood and being totally present with chopping wood is very, very wise. There's a way in which carrying water and just carrying water and being totally present with carrying water is very, very wise, consciously wise. And, uh, and so there is a way in which people can walk through life and just do life without really reflecting much on what it means or how the process is working or all that. Are they wrong? Are they dumb? Are they mulish? Uh, some people would say they are. I don't know. Maybe we have to live that way sometimes too. I don't know. But I do know that we, we leave our homes to do it. I do know that we take risks to do it. I do know that we challenge life as much as or sometimes perhaps even more than life challenges us. That's very, very brave. Very, very brave. We're doing it all the time. So we want to understand more about this wild, wild wisdom of life and what it means. And we're going to talk some more about that right after the break. So stay right here. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com When you learn to see things from a spiritual perspective... 
It changes the way you see virtually everything in your life. Listen for Dr. Paula Joyce and her program, Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Our program will help you get rid of the negative aspects of your life and invite love, joy, and prosperity into your life. Turn that negative feeling into a positive one. Tune in to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit, every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We experience all sorts of changes as we move through life, marriage, raising children, moving up the corporate ladder, and saving for retirement. To maneuver smoothly through these changes, tune in to Practical Solutions for Life with host Catherine Wilking. Through engaging guests, fun topics, and feng shui solutions, you will learn how to take charge and move from chaos to prosperity. Be sure to listen live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on The Voice of America Empowerment Channel. Life can be confusing at times. There can be uncertainty, disappointment, and an inability to clearly see where you're headed. But it doesn't have to be this way at all if you understand how to take the next step in your life. Tune in to Living the Miracle with your hosts, Michael and Raphael Tamora. We'll help you to find the deeper meaning that awaits you in your life, have certainty in yourself, and learn to be clairvoyant. Listen Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show... Call in now, toll-free, 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today about the wild, wild wisdom of life. What does that mean? That we, we talked a little earlier about trusting the process and what that means and how in psychological terms the psyche is always leaning toward wholeness. And in spiritual terms, we are always growing, always becoming, always becoming more beingness than more the beingness that we actually are. And continuing that spiritual theme, I want to talk a little bit about this whole idea of oneness. The, the idea in all traditions across the globe is that we are one. We are one people. We're not, a ra- we're not separate races. We're not separate people. We're not separate in our differences. We're one people. We are one. Um, even in Western religion, where most people would say, that's a pretty Eastern concept. Not sure that Western religion believes that. Even in that religion, Jesus said, if you do it unto the least of these, you have done it unto me. Which pretty much states that we are one. If you can do it to one person and it affects him, then it, that means it's we're one. And that's the energy of oneness. So whatever that I'm doing in my life impacts what you're, you, you and what you're doing in your life and vice versa. And so as I'm growing, I'm offering that same energy of growth, that same vibrational energy of growth to the entire world. Everybody I impact, everybody I touch feels that energy on some deep level and is impacted by it and and is offered a gift by it. 
And uh, every time, every time I'm zigging and zagging, and perhaps not growing, it seems that I'm not growing at that moment. Just like the tree, the flower or the tree that's growing up through the ground might have to take a different route because the sun's not shining in that particular spot. Might have to grow a little differently. Just like, just because it looks like I'm not growing doesn't mean I'm not growing. We're gaining something from everything all day, every day, and that's that's a belief system that we might have to work with to see if we actually believe that. But I believe that, that there's, there's, a, there's a way in which we are growing all the time, even when we're zigging and zagging, even when it looks like we're not growing, even when we look really profoundly stupid to ourselves, even then we're growing. The object of the game consciously for our consciousness is to not pick ourselves apart when we've gone through a zig or a zag. To, to, to not say to ourselves that we were wrong, stupid, bad, evil, whatever, when we did that. No, we were probably just trying to survive when we did that in some perhaps old ways, some ways that match that old identity that we think is going to keep us alive. Perhaps that's true, but nonetheless, that survival does get us to a point where we can begin to live. And if we don't survive, we don't live this life, and we haven't accomplished what this life came to give us. So we need to survive, so we have to get there. So uh, we have to get to that place where we are uh, beginning to awaken, and in order to do that, we have to survive. And in order to do that, we have to walk through several experiences that are not always easy. Um, And so so the idea, though, is that whenever... I'm walking through something, the impact that it's having on me and how it's changing my vibrational energy is also impacting you and how it's changing your vibrational energy. So if, I, if I'm, as I work with my consciousness and I grow more, then I have a, uh, that impact on the world. If I'm sort of stuck in a place right now, that vibration has an has a impact on the world as well. That doesn't mean it's negative doesn't believe it means it's positive. We tend to think in those terms. We, have, we are measurers here on this earth, us humans. Are, we are measurers. And that's one of our biggest problems, I think, is that we tend to measure everything. And we measure ourselves based on how we think we ought to be living. And we, we're always doing that measurement so that we condemn ourselves when we're not living up to some standard we think we're supposed to. And we fuss at ourselves and beat ourselves up and berate ourselves and say all kinds of horrible things to ourselves because we think we ought to be living in a different way and we're not living that way. And so we, we, we beat ourselves up for it. Um, that's because we measure. But if you think about a flower or a tree or anything natural, anything organic in this world, they're not measuring. There's no measuring going on. Flowers not go and say, I only grew a fourth of an inch today. That's, oh, that's a problem. I needed to grow a half an inch today. I needed to grow faster than this. Flowers not saying that. A cloud's not saying, oops, I didn't cover the right area today. I should have been over that lake, and instead I was over that mountain. You know, they're, they're not measuring themselves. They're not doing, they're just doing what comes most natural for them to do. And if we learned to live that way, we would get in deeper touch with the oneness, the energy, the process, the beingness that is that process that we are. Um, uh, so that's, you know, the, the point ultimately is for us to get in touch with that energy. But uh, we're, not, 
we're not always there, but that's okay because we're getting there all along. And uh, so, you know, when we say, what is it in us that is willing to take all those risks? Well, it's that force, that beingness within us that says, I want to live, that says living is important, that it says that I matter, it says that, that I'm that um, my life energy has something to give to the planet Earth. You know, we live a short life. We live, you know, 80 to 100 years these days, uh, in the Western world at least. And uh, in some countries, in some parts of the world, they live longer than that. But most people, most would say between 80 and 100 years. But for those people, those rare people who live longer, I'd say up to 120 years. Still, that's a short time. It's a very short time. And we have, you know, in each life, if there's, a, if there's reincarnation, we have those, those years during that incarnation to do with that particular life what that particular energy calls for us to do. And if we can do it, then we end that life in a place that says, okay, I've, gotten, I've done what I came here to do. But some would say, well, maybe there's some people who aren't doing it. Maybe there's some people who are living in such darkness or such badness or such... Uh, negativity, as, as we talk about it so much in the spiritual world, we use that word negativity and negative in such derogatory terms and positivity and positive in such elated and audited terms. We, we split off. We do a big split off between good and bad, between good and evil, between right and wrong all the time because we're measuring because we're saying this is good and that is bad, and this is good and that is bad, and that is good and this is bad. We're doing that all the time. And, and we're evaluating everything, even the food we eat, even the, the way the weather is, where it's good weather or bad weather, it's good food or bad food. It's, you know, there's, it, we're evaluating everything. We're constantly evaluating. It's one of our biggest problems. Whereas if we could just be neutral, and not, not evaluate, we would stop calling things negative and just take the energy it comes to give us and move on. Uh, just because I've had an automobile accident doesn't mean that's a negative event. There are t- spiritual teachers out there who are today teaching that, you know, if we have a, a negative event in our lives and we attracted that negative event because we were thinking negative thoughts and having negative feelings, um, I, I can't even tell you how much I disagree with that. And I've written a whole book about that disagreement called The Law of Attraction, The Soul's Answer to Why It Isn't Working and How It Can. So if you want to read that book, it was written back in, I believe, 2013. Um, it talks all about how the law of attraction is something very different than what's being taught out there today. Um, but basically what we're saying is that, that as we challenge life, What's happening is that we, we, we grow into our experience. Our experience grows into us and we grow into it, kind of like two trees growing, growing together. Their root systems intertwine and they begin to meld into each other and they begin to grow each other's fruit. And that's what happens with our wisdom and our life, our energy. That, uh, as we grow, we become more more and more awake to who we are as a beingness, as that process of beingness that we actually are. Um, and we become more and more aware of the fact that we're one with the other people and that the, what we, how we feel and think impacts other people. Not in negative ways, not in positive ways, just in ways. 
So if we can just remove the negative and positive, the good and the bad, and just really receive life just the way it is, just the way it comes to us. We have an automobile accident. It's not bad. It is what it is. It's an automobile accident, and it's another experience for you to walk through. Um, uh, There's a passage in, in the Jewish Tanakh in the Old Testament of the Christian Bible that says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. So what that says is I can go through the darkest time of, of my life and still be okay. I don't have to call it negative or positive. I don't have to give it a label and say that's a bad thing. I can just say that I'm okay in this because the divine is with me. However, you see the divine is with me. And and that that idea has helped many people get through many different traumatic experiences. In fact, I read an article recently about someone who says that trauma, that they describe trauma in spiritual terms as the valley of the shadow of death. Um, and, 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 and there is a kind of way that, that that's true, that, that, that there's a, a fear that we're going to die in a trauma, there's a fear that somebody's going to die in a trauma. And, uh, and so we get through that trauma because we get through things. Not because we're good and the trauma's bad, and we've overcome it and we've beat the bad old trauma, but rather because we got because we got through it, we kept walking. We just kept walking till we got to the other side. And sometimes the other side doesn't look like, you know, doesn't look like it's all a panacea. But it does look like uh, possibility. It does look like hope. It does look like a place of, of new beginnings, perhaps. And uh, sometimes we still carry some old emotions in us. Sometimes we don't even know we have those old emotions till years later when they suddenly appear. And then we have to deal with those old emotions. And they come up in in ways that are frightening to us. And we have to look at that and go, where did this come from? Well, it comes from some old belief systems that are entrenched in some old identities that come from way back. And that we need to walk through and look at those belief systems and ask ourselves, what? What do we really believe? Do we really believe that? Or do we believe something else? And one of the primary pro- uh, beliefs that seems to drag us down is that this idea that somehow when bad things happen, we deserved it. When good things happen, we must have deserved that. Um, you know, I'm not sure that, uh, that that's true at all. And certainly there's been um, biblical scriptures and, and uh, from the Jewish Tanakh again and from the Old Testament book of Job talks about suffering and why people suffer and uh, it looks to some like it's a game between the powers that be between God and Satan. Uh, it looks to others like somebody has sinned, somebody's done something wrong. It looks to others like a journey that ultimately that's what Job discovers is that it's just part of the journey and that uh, and that his vision of the divine has, has got to alter from that old, um, harsh rhinoceros that can just take down a field because he's so big he can take it down to something much more realistic, that, that the divine is something much more of a process, much more of a, a beingness, much more of, a, of an energy, an intelligence. And, and a loving intelligence than, than that old rhinoceros who can just trample down things because he's big. 
because he's big and he can. So Job's idea about who the divine is changes entirely as a result of this, his encounter with the divine because he suffered. And that's what can happen to us in our suffering. We can have an encounter with the divine, however you see the divine, that, that allows you to come to a new understanding of who the divine is. I've seen that altered many, many times as I practice transpersonal therapy in my practice. I've seen people, you know, question the, uh, the divine in whatever form they see the divine and, uh, and not understand how it is that they could be suffering and be extremely angry at the divine that they are having to suffer this way and can't figure out why they don't deserve this and it's happening anyway. And uh, then they have to move slowly away from that whole concept of deserving move slowly into something more round, more mysterious, more open, more true, more fluid than that idea that if I do good, I'll get good. If I do bad, I'll get bad. That idea is, is uh, something from our childhoods that we learned uh, as, uh, cult, the, the, as our, in our early moral development, we learned that, that, uh, that if I did good, I'll get good, and if I do bad, I'll get bad, I'll get bad if I get caught. Um, and, of course, we all learn to not get caught, too. Uh, so, so as we challenge life, what we learn is that life has much, much, much to give us that's a lot bigger, a lot more round, a lot more open, a lot more fluid uh, than, than what we've been taught in its literal context. Uh, very, very rigidly conservative viewpoints of, and I don't mean that politically, I mean conservative in terms of very small, very boxed in, very uh, literal about, you know, what we're supposed to be doing in life. And that's not just in the Western religion. That is in other religions worldwide where some, I, I hear about spiritual abuse taking place in all religions. And so it, 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 spiritual abuse is that thing that separates us from the deeper self. It, it tells us that we are not one. It tells us that we are not one with ourselves, and that we have to split off from who we are in order to be something else, in order to be okay. We have to give up our authentic self in order to be okay. And that's spiritual abuse. And many, many of us have had to do that as we have been spiritually abused unwittingly by people who thought that they were teaching us the right way. Uh, they really were teaching us to give up our own explorations about the divine, our own personal encounters with the divine, and just believe the stuff that they taught us without any personal uh, encounter at all. That was what was so rich about Job's encounter, was that he had an encounter. He, he could have just sat there, you know, digging in the sand and picking at his source, but he... He didn't. He went forward and had an encounter. And it was that encounter that enriched his life. And it's our own personal encounters with the divine that enrich our lives. So we, if we can be brave enough to step forward and say, what the heck's going on here? Then, then we might find some real answers. Uh, but if, we're not, if we don't ever do that, then we, we kind of shirk back and we hold back and we don't really have those experiences and we don't come out of it with any wiser than before. Except that we've had another experience that takes us a little closer to awakening. So every, do every experience takes us a little closer to awakening. 
and so we don't have to choose wisdom in order to get wisdom. Every little experience is carrying us closer to wisdom, even as we resist wisdom. It's a paradox, but it's true. Uh, but nonetheless, when we consciously try to have an encounter with the divine, our, incre- our wisdom is increased exponentially in a, in, in a shorter time. Um, so sometimes our suffering can get us there in a way that no, nothing delightful will. So sometimes we look back on our suffering and we uh, are very grateful for that suffering because it brought us to a new place, a new understanding of life. And we're, we're really forever indebted to that time for its uh, ability to bring us to new awareness. All right, so we're going to take another break right now, and we'll be back in just a few more minutes with more of the wild, wild wisdom of life. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com If you've always wanted to take the lead in your life, but you don't believe you are a leader, then it's time to change that mindset. Leadership expert Linda Patton will help you discover the powerful leader that lives within and teach you the leadership skills that will transform your business and your life. Stepping into your leadership brings reality to your vision, and leadership can be learned. Find out more on Leadership Stars. Every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Our life takes a series of unexpected detours as we move along our journey. We can choose to accept these detours as something negative, or we can choose to create a learning experience where we can turn a tragedy or unexpected turn in life into something that can help others. To learn more, tune in to Embrace the Unexpected with host Bernadette Butler. In the program, you'll learn how she and others were able to turn setbacks into positives. Listen live Fridays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. Tune in to The James Dentley Show and learn strategies for success in business and in life. Dr. James Dentley is a proven success coach who knows how to convert good into great. You'll find out from the achievers and leaders how they got to be the success stories that they are. And Dr. Dentley and his guests will give you the tools you need to follow in their footsteps. It's time to become the best version of you. Listen to The James Dentley Show, Fridays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on Voice America Empowerment. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll-free, 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back with our final segment today, talking about the wild, wild wisdom of life. And what we've said thus far is that there is a process that we can trust that is uh, in the basements of our lives. It's under, it's the foundation of our experience that is our very essence. It is our beingness. It is a process that is fluid, that is continually unfolding. It is a river that carries us. 
and it will carry us finally to the fullness of our soul, to the wholeness of our psychology, and uh, and ultimately we all we will all awaken. Um, and uh, so that's the process, and we can trust it. Uh, what we've also said is that it doesn't matter whether the pro- the the process uh, is in uh, what we call negative or positive. It doesn't matter if it's an automobile accident, an illness, a broken relationship, a, a trauma, or some other difficulty, or if it's something really good like a, a marriage or uh, having a baby or graduating from college or getting a new job or getting a raise. Um, those things are just events. They're not negative or positive. They're just events, and we can get from them what they have come to give us if we are open to that. Um, each one of them has a gift to give us. We just need to be able to receive the gift. But what we tend to do is we tend to make those those events either negative or positive and say we can only get good gifts from the good things and we can only get uh, bad things from the bad things that have happened to us. And that's just completely false. Uh, sometimes some of the most highest, most profound understandings of life come from the most difficult events. Uh, not to say that we should you know, want difficult events to happen to us but they are going to happen to us as we process through life because we're living here on planet Earth, and that's a part of our living experience. Uh, but they're not negative, and they're not positive. They're just events. And so we receive those events and take the gift that they give us as a part of the process. Um, but, and we also said that no matter what we're doing, whether we're zigging or zagging or, or seem to be on some linear straight-edged path, we're still getting what, what we came here to get. It may not look like it in the moment, but in it, throughout the lifetime, we're getting what we came here to get. Each lifetime is getting what it came here to get. There's a passage in, again, the Jewish Tanakh and the Christian Old Testament in Isaiah, where it says, my word will not return to me empty. And uh, that's poetry. That's metaphorical. That. Uh, is also found in other scriptures around the world, not not just from Isaiah, not those exact words, but the same idea is found in other uh, sacred texts around the world. It basically is saying that that what the process intends to accomplish will be accomplished, uh, and we will get what we came here to get from each each experience. So uh, we can't fail in that sense. We can't fail. Uh, our, our seeming failures are only just other life events that have come to give us something in the process. So in that sense, we can't fail, and there's nothing too dark for wisdom to go through to get bring something from. There's nothing too bad for wisdom to not get something from. Um, perhaps some people live really what we call bad lives in order to... Uh, experience the darkest, darkest, deepest, darkest parts of life and life's experience for the rest of us. Because as we said, we're all one. We're all gaining from each other's experiences. So um, I'm not sure what to make of that. I don't have the final word on that. But I know that there's something to be gained from it. Um, and we we all can gain from it. And we do gain from it. We like, For example, we learn things about uh, people's motivation from serial killers. We learn things about how people identify as bad people when they're young and try to live that out and live that out and live that out over and over again just to prove to themselves that they're alive. 
So if we didn't have these concepts of good and evil, perhaps nobody could identify with evil. Perhaps then we wouldn't have uh, serial killers anymore. Interesting way to think about it, but think about it. So, so we've said all those things, and but what I want to say now is, what can we do to get the most wisdom out of this wild, wild ride? Uh, how can we be be with our life experiences in a way that allows us to really awaken to our deepest wisdom and our highest vibrational energy? What can we do to with that? Well, the first thing that I can say is we, meditation is one of the best ways that I know of to get in touch with your authentic self and to begin to live from that wholeness that is within us. Um, it's, it's a very powerful tool, and I highly recommend it. Um, there's, a, there's some people in the, in the Western world who are saying that meditation is evil because it opens us to all kinds of things inside of us, and, and therefore uh, we might be opening to the devil. Um, but I would say that, uh, um, that I would argue against that. And, and, and I would say that what meditation does, and many people are finding this out, is it opens us to our deepest beingness. It opens us to that foundational process that we actually are, the fluidness that we actually are. We are not stagnant, uh, literal flesh and bone beings alone. We are also very fluid, um, spiritual beings that uh, are, are bringing about a process in our own wisdom all the time. Uh, and so when, we're, when meditation, what meditation does is it downloads information uh, to the psyche from the spiritual realm. So you, you get in touch with your authentic self and your authentic self begins to talk to your inauthentic self and you begin to believe it. That's what happens when we meditate. The authentic self begins to talk to the inauthentic self, and you begin to believe it. Um, and that's why I highly recommend uh, the meditation as a tool. I also re- recommend getting out in nature because nature is one of those ways that we can get in touch with our own instincts, our own intuition, our own discernment, our own personal power to awaken to what's really going on around us. Um, being in nature allows us to get in touch with our own deepest nature. So we begin to see ourselves as organic, natural beings instead of seeing ourselves as things that we have to push around to make them behave right. And unfortunately, that is how so many of us see ourselves, as we just, we're this thing, this, this uh, uh, inanimate object that we have to push around to make it behave right. And if we can push it around long enough and hard enough, it'll, it'll get some success maybe. Um, but we have to do that or it won't work. And I say that's exactly the opposite of the process of wisdom. Um, although that's something people have to live through too to get to wisdom. I'm not disparaging that. I'm saying that process, if you want to awaken quicker, that's not the way to do it. Um, if you want to live into wisdom, you, uh, to get into nature is to get into your deeper self. So spending time in nature is another thing that I highly recommend. I also recommend that whenever something happens in your life, look for the gift. What is the gift in this event? What can I get? Now, that doesn't mean you're going to get it right away. You may have to walk through some really difficult emotions first. You may have to pass through to, 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 to the maybe other side or the, 
the wisdom aspect of those difficult emotions in order to get to a place where you can get some answers. But I would say have an encounter with your life event. Have an encounter with your life event. Don't just let it sit there on your chest like an anvil. Rather, take it and and move it. Move it around. Ask it questions. Uh, Pick it up and put it down somewhere else. Look at it from a different angle. Uh, Have a dialogue with it. Have a conversation with it. Let it talk back. Let it see what it has to say to you about that. Um, And so that you're having an encounter with it, and then it can give you its gift. If it talks to to you, if it talks to you, then then you then it has something to say. And if it has something to say, and you have a way of listening, then what can happen is that you can begin to to see the gift that it has come to give you. Slowly over time, this is not something that happens overnight. But slowly over time you continue to converse and you continue to have a dialogue with these, with these difficult events, then they will, they will awaken you to the gift that they came to give you. Um, I certainly can look back at some of the events in my life and I'm extremely grateful for those events because they, they taught me so much about myself and about life and about wisdom and about people and about love and about relationship. And I just learned so much and I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful that those seemingly very difficult and challenging things happened to me because they, because they gave me a gift that I'm very happy to have received. Um, and that's what we can do with these events. We can get that gift if we go looking for it. So uh, when we talk about um, the wisdom of life, what we're talking about is the willingness and this is one of the things I encourage you to try is to will, just be willing to be fluid, to be open to what's possible instead of being closed and demanding of life that it give you exactly what you think you ought to have. Um, when, we, when we're open and, and fluid, then we, we're, we're rolling with the waves in the river that's carrying us to this place of soulful oneness. Uh, we're, we're waking up slowly to who we are as we get closer to the ocean from the river. Um, and and that, that process is, it just is sacred. It's, it's sacred. Um, when, we, when we're willing to be fluid and open, then we're willing to, to awaken to life, life's gifts on life's terms instead of asking that life always be on our terms. Um, we don't always know what's right for us. We don't always know what's best for us. We know what we wish. We know what we dream. We don't always know what's right or best for us. So if we trust life and we trust the process, then it's going, we're, going to, we're going to be a part of that process. We're, we already are a part of that process. We just don't always know it. Um, so being open and fluid is another method that we can use to awaken to this powerful force, that which is the wild, wild wisdom of life. And, and uh, the other thing is to be willing to dialogue with your own difficult emotions. Anger has a gift to give us. Fear has a gift to give us. Sorrow has a gift to give us. Forgiveness has a gift to give us. All of these things have a gift to give us. And I talk a lot about how we can access these and dialogue with these in my latest book called Letting Go of Good. Um, if you want to check that out, it's at Amazon.com talk a lot about how we can dialogue with these different emotions and how they can talk back with us and begin to we begin to get things out of them and begin to change our beliefs about them. Um, 
and what they have to give us. They are part of our personal power because they're part of our uh, internal messaging system. They've come to give us a message. And if we can get the message, then we've got what the emotion came to give us. And we don't need the emotion so much anymore. So when we are willing to say, I'm talking to you, I, I, I want to hear from you, um, then we can, we can work through these difficult emotions. And uh, so I encourage people to do that as well, to just continue to work through those difficult emotions by talking to them, having a dialogue with them, and hearing back from them. Sometimes this means getting out of journal and writing down your question to the emotion and let the emotion talk back on the, in the journal. And then say something back and let the emotion talk back. So it's, it's imaginary. It's, it's some very similar to um, Carl Jung's active imagination, but it works because what it does is open you up to receiving the gift that that emotion has come to give you. We don't need to be afraid of our own emotions. We need to be willing to process through them and be with them because they've come to give us a very important and very often loving message. Um, and, uh, and I also recommend that we spend time in the moment. We try to spend time being present with what's going on in the moment. You can take any given moment and sit there and look quietly around the room or around the outdoors, wherever you are, and take in what's there. What, what color is the sky? What color is the room painted? What's on the walls? What do you smell in the air? What do you hear in the sounds around you? What's going on in that moment that you're missing by not really being present? Be present in each moment. Being present is very, very important to, to our process of being in touch with our, our process. Um, so that's another way of getting in touch with our own wild, wild wisdom of life. We can trust life overall to bring us wonderful things, wonderful loving gifts. We can trust that process, but we have to learn to, uh, th- that there is a process, that it's one we can trust, that it has something to give us, and that we can surrender to it. Okay, that's what we have for today. And we're going to be back again next week with more Authentic Living. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll talk again next week. 